Welcome back to Small Business Big Lessons, a Buffer original series. My name is Haley Griffiths. I work at Buffer. And in this series, we are highlighting business stories like you've never heard before. We have an incredible group of small business owners who have been so generous with their time for us. We're sharing really powerful stories from their businesses, showing their success and how they've done good along the way, as well as all of the big lessons that they have been learning. In this episode, we're going to be looking at support. Starting and running your own business can be incredibly stressful. The combination of risk, instability, responsibility, and overwork can lead to burnout, anxiety, and even depression. This is why having a solid support network is invaluable for entrepreneurs. It could be a mentor, a professional network, a WhatsApp group, or even a trained therapist. Having a space to share the ups and downs of small business ownership and having people around you who get it can help make you more resilient and able to weather the storm that is small business ownership. If you're in a position of leadership, it's important to think about how you structure your company and the ways in which your employees work to ensure a happy, healthy environment. In this episode, we're going to show you great examples of how having a network of support can help keep you in a good, healthy place as a business owner. And we show you the importance of asking for help when you need it. I always say there's no business growth without personal growth, meaning that so much of what growth is about is us growing as people. And a lot of that has to do with our own mental health, right? Because it's about how we show up and how we take care of ourselves. I say entrepreneurship is a really amazing mirror to get to know ourselves better. Perhaps the best way to approach stress and mental health issues in the workplace is to create an environment which encourages healthy work practices. So what are some of the ways in which our businesses are creating those kinds of conditions? Here's Kelly at Destination Unknown Restaurants. I am very respectful about time off and not texting, not calling, not emailing. When I know people are off when they're on vacation, when they have their, their days off, it you know, I respect them and I have like a boundary there. And I also try not to let myself get caught up into work when I'm off. I know that I'm a better leader if I have time to rest, and I would never want to overwhelm anybody on my team by, by constantly bugging them. When I have them in person, that's when we get work done, and on their days off, they should just ignore me. <laughs> a restaurant kitchen is a notoriously stressful work environment, so Kelly has several strategies to avoid unnecessary pressure and anxiety. One of our kitchens is actually on display. It's an open kitchen, and so guests can see us. And I remind people when I'm interviewing them, I'm like, hey, you're going to be on display. This is a show every night. So we we can't yell here because everybody will hear us. We have a very quiet kitchen. <laughs> I think that makes us really think about what we're saying and how we're acting and how we're coming across. We're in restaurants. We're here to make people happy. Like. It's not the end of the world if, it, if a dish comes out wrong or there's a mistake. All we can do is apologize and make it better. People love when you fix things for them. So if you make a mistake, you know, just keep going. It's not surgery. It's just food. Like, we're going to get it to them. They want to eat it. They want to be happy. All we have to do is facilitate that. So I try to have a, a stress-free environment. Yes, it does get stressful. Yes, it does get busy. But I'm a big fan of, like, lightening the mood by making a joke or, you know, giving somebody a high five or just a, a saying something that's going to perk them up a little bit and make them feel good about themselves. 
We have a place where, you know, we're supportive of each other, even when it's hard. Um, we know it won't always be hard. You know, we're going to get through this. We have to close the doors eventually, and tomorrow will be a new day. In the heat of a busy period or a crunched day, it's easy for employees to lose sight of the bigger picture and not notice when they're pushing things too much. So as a leader, working out the ways in which you want to reduce stress and overwork in your company is a great way to avoid burnout. There are good examples of this in the policies that Andrea and Samantha at Harlow have put into place. One of the reasons why Andrea and I actually left the corporate world and that first company that we worked at together was because we wanted more flexibility and autonomy over our schedules. So we got into the mindset that like, hey, we don't like this nine to five. We don't think it works. It leads employees to burnout. It puts unwarranted stress and pressure on their lives. And it honestly keeps them from being well balanced, which we think keeps people from being as productive as they could be, right? So that's why we went into freelancing. And when we were transitioning from freelancing to building Harlow, we knew that we needed to build this business in a way that supported us and the way that we worked and also supported future employees having autonomy over their schedules, right? So it's not just Andrea and I and how we work best, but it's really getting down to this human level of we all work differently. When we are thinking about like our policies and how we are building Harlow, that is what we're thinking about. So we have this saying actually at Harlow that we believe that we are all better and more creative when we're living well-balanced lives. So what we're trying to do is actually put into place policies, which sounds funny. It's funny that you have to put like, you know, sort of a structure in place to let people have unstructured schedules. The first is limited meetings. So we try to put a lot of thought into whether we need to hop on a phone call or a video call or if something can be done async, right? So we're big fans of using Loom and Slack and recorded messages to speak to one another. Something might be on my mind, but it might not be on your mind. So let me send it over what's on my mind and you respond to me when you have the time. We're also implementing meeting-free days. So every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday afternoon are all meeting-free. And so that is just, you know, free time and free space for us and our employees either to get deep work done and go, you know, deep into thought and be strategic. Or maybe it's time to implement self-care or go on a hike or meet up with friends. It's really however you want to use those days. And I think on top of that, we're really just trying to implement this understanding in the organization that not everything is urgent. So we want to remove the expectation that someone needs to respond to a Slack message right away or someone needs to respond to an email within two hours. We're still in the early stages of building Harlow, but I mean, I think we can already see it, Andrea and I especially, that you know we show up more rested and we show up more motivated because of it. Yeah, I think there's this expectation in the corporate world that you're going to be sitting at your desk from 9 o'clock in the morning until 6 p.m. in the afternoon. And the fact is that's not productive for some people, for most people, frankly. And our brains don't function in this on state for eight, nine hours a day. We need downtime. We need breaks. And I think that a lot of corporate environments just aren't conducive to that at all. And so Samantha and I really wanted to build something different where we could foster more creativity. We could foster working in a way that's going to work best for us. And I will say that a six-hour day for me structured properly is infinitely more productive than eight hours sitting in front of a computer at my desk. When you're a small business with limited resources, often the work that you do requires you to think about every aspect of your company. And by focusing obsessively on those details, you can lose sight of the bigger picture. 
Add to that the feeling that you have to jump on every opportunity that comes your way, and you have a recipe for anxiety and stress. It's important to sometimes slow down, take stock, and get perspective and think about the things that really matter. Here's what Painter have to say on this. When you get momentum going in your business, and you just want to keep it going, and the busy times become normal times, then one day you just realize, I haven't got the energy to keep this going for months on end. And you kind of have to have a pause and just think, okay, we've been putting the business first for a year. That's when we just realized, okay, we need to take some time for us. We need to slow it down a bit. We need to make sure that we're exercising a lot. It's kind of being self-aware enough to realize, okay, you need to be pause here and slow down a bit, take a breather. There has to be peaks and there has to be troughs. Not everything can go at a million miles an hour and not everything is going to be perfect either. Just because it's really, really exciting and everything is going well, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be that great. So I think having that expectation that there have to be natural highs and natural lows is really healthy. It's only once you get into a rhythm of your own business that you understand when those times are going to come. It can be a bit confusing. You're hoping everything's okay. You're wanting just to be incredibly busy all the time because that's what you've been used to from the start of the year. And then you have to realize you have to actually take time to top up your creative energy to, to make sure you're reading and getting an outside perspective. It's hard to be on all the time and to have great ideas all the time. And sometimes you can get to that point where it's like, oh, I can't come up with any ideas at all. And so what we tend to do, there might be certain books or films or artists or something that just seem to like when you get into their work or into their book it just like ignites you from the inside and you're just like okay whenever I feel like this I'm gonna go read that book because the ideas they share in the books just get you going again. When you're a busy entrepreneur it can feel as though the separation between your work life and private life is non-existent. Juggling a family and personal relationships alongside your business can be demanding. But family can also provide support in difficult times. Here's Sheena at Made With Local. Entrepreneurship on a good day is tough. Entrepreneurship with kids and then a pandemic and everything else can be a bit of a recipe for a brain that, that needs some extra help. My first daughter was born in 2014, which was very early in the days of Made With Local. And my second baby, my little daughter, Thea, was born in April 2019. And they're both incredible kids, and they don't know anything different than this family business. My husband also works in Made With Local. And he came in, and he only officially joined the company in 2019 because I was extremely not okay. <laughs> for a while. And it took me a long time to navigate my way out of what was likely a bit of a mess of postpartum anxiety and then COVID anxiety and then general overwhelm from the state of the world and also navigating through this with a business that somehow continued to grow, which is incredible. But yeah, absolutely. There's been some really rough times for me mentally, for sure. And I... I'm so grateful to my husband, Andrew, who's joined the business, like I mentioned now, will be coming up on three years in October. I think the best part about working together as a couple is that you don't have to wait until Tuesday in two weeks to talk about something. If something comes up, we talk about it then and then, and we just talk all the time. 
I think we're super lucky to have met each other and realized that we're both just so open. We'd rather talk through things than just hold something in. If Becky doesn't like something, she'll say. If I don't like something, I'll wait a minute and then say. Um, I could definitely never do this by myself. I would never want to. Me neither. Definitely not. It's actually been amazing having what I never thought would be a family business, but with both my husband and I working in it together, it's been really cool. Honestly, it's been a super cool experience and something that we joked around about, like like actually joked, like it was not serious at all for like a few years before he officially joined. And uh, we were like, oh yeah, when someday when I'm your boss and we <laughs> joke about that. And then there was one day where there was a joke made and I was kind of like, but like, are we joking? <laughs> And he's like, maybe we're not. And we just kind of eased into it. I mean, again, like it comes with its own challenges, but we have a rock solid relationship and communication is something that we practice openly uh, every single day, which is <laughs> the only way to get through it. I think a huge part of running something with your partner is that there's probably no one in the world who knows you better. That's both a pro and a con, actually, because you're very aware of what that other person is probably going to think to your ideas. You know how to get each other excited about something. You know when to wait, when to pause and keep thinking through an idea. We, we definitely build on each other's ideas constantly. We're really lucky that we had amazing examples around us. My whole family is self-employed. My parents work together and they have since they got married. Both my brothers are self-employed too, which does mean that home can be a bit like a board meeting. But it's amazing because we talk about all the challenges that all of us are facing. And also we celebrate all of the things that are going really well. And we're constantly asking questions that not many people ask of each other unless they really understand the ins and outs of your job or your business. I think having a support system is vital. So who are those people that you can go to that you can speak to about what you're going through personally? I teach a business growth class where, you know, businesses come together to learn. And the reason I actually set that up is because everybody goes through the same challenges as an entrepreneur. And when we see our peers and we have that camaraderie with our peers, like, oh, we're all in this together. Let's all grow together. It's actually much easier to change than when we're isolated. So that support network of other people who understand what you're going through and you can lean on each other is really important. If you've listened to episode one of this season, then you know how important building a community around your business can be. Having other business owners around you to lean on and whose opinions you trust can be an invaluable resource. But if you've built great relationships with the people who buy your products or use your service, they can actually become part of your support network too. Over the past eight or nine years, we've actually been able to build up a really diverse community for ourselves. So from other founders who are on the same path, you know, maybe other founders who took VC money, those who bootstrapped from the very beginning, you know, we have a network of freelancers of other consultants, you know, even before we founded Harlow, freelancers and consultants that we had either hired when we were in-house or worked with on projects when we were consulting. Andrew and I's own community is a really beautiful thing. I don't think we ever have a problem that we need to solve, that we don't have somebody in our community that we're like, ah, we should go talk to that person. I absolutely feel like we're part of an incredible purpose-led business community. And part of that is through the B Corp movement, but part of that is outside of it too, right? And it's something that 
is so important, especially as a founder, to feel like you have a crew, right? You have a group of people around you who have been going through what you're going through and have that solidarity to all the very niche <laughs> experiences that any CPG founder experiences because it can be lonely, right? It can be lonely out there as a as a founder and as an entrepreneur or even, you know, any of us here in a small company. It's a totally different route from a career perspective than most people ever have the privilege to take. So, yeah, we have an amazing community around us of other businesses, but also as our customers and as our community. And I try not to even talk about our customers. I choose to use the word community because they're more than just customers to us, right? People who buy Made With Locals foods are part of the family. Our freelancer community, they're building businesses too. They're having these struggles as well. They're not quite the same, but we can all relate to having those days where you just want to high five everybody in the household because you got a big win. And you have those days where you want to go hide under the covers and maybe things aren't so good. So that part is also nice that our community deals with some of the same emotions that we're dealing with as we're building our business. Rand at SparkToro has been very proactive around building his support network. At SparkToro, we've made an intentional investment in building a network of like-minded founders and like-minded companies. Last year, I started assembling a group of people who I really liked, who were building indie, sort of zebra-style businesses, not venture-backed, similar to SparkToro, wanted to be profitable for a long time and stay independent. Many in the services realm, but plenty in software and product as well, some in physical product. Uh, and we all got together. So we, we threw an event with a friend of mine, Keldi, who uh, runs Balsamic, a software company in uh, Bologna, Italy. And uh, he has this beautiful, just gorgeous, stunning office space that they built in Bologna. We uh, we got all the founders together there, and now we you know have like an email group and we support each other and follow up. We're planning to do it again next year. I think it's a really beautiful and important thing to have people that you like and trust and can ask questions and who know what you're going through because they're going through it themselves. Kelly is a part of an organization called ReHer, which is a national nonprofit driven by women restaurateurs on a mission to empower and advance women of color, indigenous women, and LGBTQ plus identifying women who are food and beverage entrepreneurs. ReHer is uh, a, a national nonprofit. They have a chapter in the DC area that we have regular calls where we discuss issues in the restaurant community and we have resources for each other. And even if it's just checking in to say, hey, how's everybody doing? Oh, you know, prices have gone up on this. Does anybody have a good vendor for that? You know, we really help each other and it's growing. A lot of women are joining. It's getting bigger every day. Being part of a larger national organization such as ReHer can provide you with a massive network and a huge amount of resources. Being able to give back to a community like that can be incredibly rewarding and give you access to amazing people all over the country to share your journey with. But sometimes getting the support you need can be as simple as just making the call. Here's Ari at Zingerman's. I wrote a pamphlet called Working Through Hard Times that's about trying to get through the pandemic. And one of the ways that I did that is a practice I've long had, but amped up during the pandemic, which is just picking up the phone and calling people. because. It's just helpful 
realizing that everybody's struggling with some version of the same challenge uh, has helped enormously. Having an existing support network is one thing, but being open and having the mindset of being receptive to support from others can lead you to finding help in some unexpected places. Uh, just concrete example, working on the floor, which I do every night at Zierman's Roadhouse. So no matter what my day is, I almost always end up on the floor there for an hour or two, just regrounds me, gets me reconnected to daily realities. And I was there the other night working the floor and there was one gentleman who looked vaguely familiar. I didn't really know him well, but he was buying a copy of one of the books that I wrote to gift to his friend who was here from out of town. So I come sign the book and I said to the friend, like, what do you do? And he goes, well, I'm in hot water. And I could see it was a well-practiced joke in a good way. And I said, well, what are you doing here? So he was here. There's a training conference for uh, plumbing professionals and they come from all over the U.S., right? So he's one of the leading experts on hot water. I'm like, this is awesome because we're struggling here at this restaurant right now trying to sort out some major issues around hot water and how to process it and you're like an expert would you come look and he goes yeah i'd love to after dinner i can go take a look around so yeah take help from wherever we can get it when you're going it alone in the business world it can be hard to find your people but with the right tools it's easier than ever to make connections if you're an entrepreneur that's struggling to connect with a community or with some mentors, I would say start looking online. Honestly, through social media is an incredibly algorithmically driven way to find people that are doing things just like you are. Whether it be through Instagram or LinkedIn, it's a really nice way to figure out where your people are. Who are the people who are engaging with content that really resonates with you? How can you kind of go on a bit of a detective mission to figure out if there are meetups or Slack groups or different communities that already exist. And if they don't, if you dare have the bandwidth to start something on your own, uh, you'd be filling a niche for maybe people who are just like you who are looking for the same thing. I'm very active on Twitter. I'm very active on LinkedIn, on Instagram. And so I am constantly making connections there. And again, whether that's with other founders and other business owners, other women in business or freelancers, you know, honestly, like Twitter and LinkedIn, people are there and people are having the conversations and you just have to throw yourself into it. When you're starting out, having a great mentor can be incredibly beneficial in so many ways. From offering general business knowledge to specific expertise about your industry, having a mentor can give you confidence, experience, and a leg up in a crowded space. Before starting Painter, I worked for a small denim brand in West Wales in the UK called Hyatt Denim. And it was like an apprenticeship into the industry. And I would just go there and I'd learn everything. And I was very lucky that the founders, David and Claire, treated me like a son, basically. And I'd stay in their house and we'd talk about the business a lot and we would talk about non-business things and they just taught me everything that they'd learned in their careers in advertising and building multiple brands so it was kind of like going to like a real business school not one where they teach you to be a management consultant but one how they actually teach you to build brands with real customers yeah it was the best thing that ever happened to be honest 
When I got started in the restaurant industry, I felt like I had to fake it to make it. And I was so afraid of people thinking that I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, none of us really knew what we were doing in the beginning. And I think um, it took me a long time to learn that and be able to reach out to others and say, hey, I have this problem. My restaurant's struggling. What would you do if you were in my situation? I would have saved myself a lot of time if I would have picked up the phone and reached out to another operator. These days, it's a lot different. I have people reaching out to me all the time and I encourage them to, and I do reach out to my peers if I am curious about how they got through something. Don't be afraid to ask for help is something that I've learned. There are a lot of people that have been through this and they certainly don't want you to make the same mistakes that they made. It's a commonly held belief that asking for help was a sign of weakness. However, sometimes things go so wrong in our lives and it could be a substance issue and they say you hit the wall. It could be something happens that's completely incongruous with the beliefs that you had and it makes you go like, whoa, maybe that was wrong. I am actually a trained therapist. So my background is in music therapy, which means I went to music school, but you have to train as a therapist and become certified as a therapist. So you learn all about systems of psychotherapy and all of that. So I actually come from that background and I have a pretty deep awareness and understanding. And so often I end up recommending that clients go to therapy. And a lot of times for entrepreneurs, it's the first time that they've had an experience of therapy before. So maybe they've never gone and being in a leadership position, really taking something on like entrepreneurship is the first time that a lot of our personal issues, I'll say, kind of come to the surface, right? So we might start to understand like, money really stresses us out or interpersonal relationships when we're building team members really trigger us. And so I started going to therapy and then at that point I was ready through pain and I wish I would have gone at 10. I mean, it, it's like having a coach at the gym. Like it's not a, there's nothing weird or wrong about it. Like who wouldn't want a grounded, thoughtful, caring, slightly disengaged with your day-to-day -day emotional struggles person to talk to? Like, it just seems like the belief is the other way. Like, why would you not? Going to therapy is like this amazing experience. I don't know if there's a greater journey on the earth than to get to know yourself on a deeper level. And I think that entrepreneurship can sort of be like a pressure cooker and so much comes up for us in that process that we need that space to digest and integrate those experiences into who we are as humans. Rand has written candidly about his own struggles with mental health issues as an entrepreneur. I am a few years away from my experiences with mental and emotional challenges, um, depression and anxiety and stuff and I'm very grateful to be through those times, but it was absolutely uh, heart-wrenching and awful going through it. Um, when I experienced that, I, I ended up stepping down from my CEO role at Moz um, and eventually away from the company. And it's difficult to attempt to give advice on this topic because I, I'm not a professional. I have only had my one personal experience with it. And I don't think that what worked for me will work for everyone. In fact, what I hear over and over again from other founders and other people who've been through this kind of thing is the solutions are often different, right? And, and need to be very customized. But I will say that talking to a professional coach and therapist helped. I think that exercise and diet and sleep, probably sleep more than anything else, really, really helped. And these days, one of the things that I've done to try and prevent 
that same pattern from reemerging is to prioritize personal health and happiness over work as hard as I can at all costs. This is part of our philosophy around chill work at SparkToro, right? Is that we're, we're trying to build up some immunity some protection against the kinds of hard mental and emotional challenges that, that can emerge when you are in a riskier business world and have financial stress and personal stress and family stress. We're just trying to take a lot of that away. As Rand says, everybody will have different ways of dealing with and managing their own mental health. Here are some of the ways in which our business owners deal with their own struggles. The more restaurants we open, the bigger my stress load is, and the more I have to change how I recover, how I react. I learned very early on that you don't have to react to everything right away. If someone's asking you to make a decision or asking you to like react to something, you can just pause and be like, okay, give me 10 minutes, or can I let you know in an hour? You don't have to answer right away. You don't have to give something your energy. And then later on, if you sit on something, like you may be really upset about something and then the end of the day, you're like, oh, okay, I don't feel that way anymore. That was nothing. So I think I've learned just to not give everything my energy just because that's what people expect. If you're an entrepreneur who's experiencing these feelings of burnout, overwhelm, know you're in good company, (laughs) which I don't say to normalize it because we shouldn't normalize or glamorize burnout or like ultra hustle culture, which I like don't subscribe to. You know, we work our butts off here. Don't get me wrong. You know, we were up until well past the kiddos bedtimes last night working on things after they went down. But we don't glamorize that at Neva Focal or expect it of our team. Like I'm really conscious of making sure that we build a culture here of holistic wellness, which includes taking your damn vacation and going out and understanding that if you don't fill your cup, then you don't have anything to pour from, right? Like that's just the nature of the human psyche and spirit. You know, this is extremely common advice, but if you don't have a meditation practice, please try and find one that suits you, right? Suits your your style and your life because it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all approach. There's a million different methodologies and ways that you can incorporate mindfulness or meditation into your life and it makes such a huge difference. Of course, you know, like getting outside and walking and just all of the things that we know work that none of us actually want to imagine are so simple that they could actually work, they work. Z at Rise Up Bakery has found that the practice of focusing his mind on the actions and skills that are central to his business has had a profound effect on him. But not only that, he's discovered that through sharing those skills, he can have a huge positive effect on his community and the wider world. I don't know if it's just my mind. I don't know if everyone else has this, but I can get lost in my thoughts in a positive way. I can get lost in my thoughts in a negative way. When I am working towards honing my skill with the physical form, my physicality, it feels very zen, like I get in a state of flow and I feel good about learning and moving and making something happen. And so the act and the attention to detail about caring about and the intentionality about caring about what I'm doing at a really uberly focused time makes me calm, makes me feel great. And so the act of doing it, I've been sharing that with the people I work with, the act of doing it, I've been sharing the outcome of that with people outside. 
but it really does heal a part of me that otherwise is all over the place. You know, it's my superpower. I feel like I can use it to make the world a better place because I care so much when I'm doing it. And at the same time, it's like I'm focused, but I also am just being right. The act of just being or freedom of just being is not something I feel that many people get. And I definitely know it's not something that black people in America have had a lot of. Right. So this whole like I can just be and, and that's enough. I can just exist in this moment and not be worried about the way people are seeing me, not be worried about what I said, not be worrying about if I'm in danger, not be worrying about the past, not be worrying about the future, not be worried about a lot of stuff, right? So when all that stuff strips away for that moment, I do feel free, right? I get free to just be, and it is very empowering and it feels wonderful. And I wanna try to inspire other people to do things like this so that they share in that freedom. Because when you feel that good, you want to make other people feel that good. None of us can go it alone, and we all need support from others. Whether it's specific knowledge, emotional support, a kind word, or just someone to listen to our rants, we rely on our communities to lift us up when we need it. And those communities grow stronger when we give back. And recognizing our own value to those in need can help give us confidence, and then the act of sharing what we know can be a powerful way to build connections and long-lasting relationships. In the next episode, we'll be looking at when businesses take a stand. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Small Business, Big Lessons, a Buffer Original Series. We hope you enjoyed hearing from all of these incredible business owners on how they have support and mentorship in their lives and their business. We would love to take it a step further and talk to you. What are the ways that you are getting support or how do you need support? Join us at buffer.com slash community to keep the conversation going. This episode of Small Business Big Lessons was written and produced by Rowan Bishop at Message Heard. Script edited by me, Haley Griffiths at Buffer. And interviews were conducted by Umber Bhatti at Buffer. Be sure to subscribe to Small Business Big Lessons on your preferred podcast platform to keep up with the latest episodes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave us a review. 